from API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Hello, I'm Jane Van Ryan, your host for Energy Tomorrow Radio. Today on the program, we have Norman Sidlowski, who's president and CEO of Colonial Pipeline. Mr. Sidlowski, we really appreciate your participation in our podcast today, and we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts about the workforce issues that are being faced by the energy industry. But first, if you will, please tell us about Colonial Pipeline. Well, Jane, thanks very much, and it's really an honor for me to participate here on the API podcast with you. Colonial Pipeline is, is really has a purpose of providing customers here in the U.S. with uh, safe, reliable, cost-effective way of delivering fuels uh, necessary for all of us to carry on our daily lives. What we do, we run a pipeline that goes from Houston to New York, and it has spur lines uh, serving much of the southern and eastern U.S. Uh, originally, this pipeline was built in 1962, and we've had some expansions to meet growing demands and needs, and most recently we've got a new direct service out to the Dulles Airport there in Washington. We're about 5,500 miles of pipe, and deliveries for this past year in 2007 were uh, about 870 million barrels, and and that's a little more than 100 million gallons every single day. So we have products, and we ship fuels like gasoline, diesel fuel, home heating oil, jet fuel, and fuels for the U.S. military. So that's Colonial Pipeline. Very impressive. Um, and, and based on the volumes that you're shipping, uh, it sounds as though the pipeline is really very important to the distribution of energy in the United States. Do you have any idea how many people you serve? Oh, that's a difficult question, but it's many, many. In fact, we serve about 60% of the fuel demands for the South Atlantic states, just to give you an idea of how many people are affected by the fuels that we bring. But the most important consideration really for us, and, and, and for all pipelines for that matter, is that they're operated safely. And if they are, then that contributes uh, not only to the safety of the surrounding areas and all of us, but also to the reliability. And it makes sure that when you're ready for a delivery of heating oil or you want to fill up your vehicle, that the fuel is available. Um, sir, what I'd like to do is move on to the testimony that you gave before the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources recently, in which you stated that pipelines operate in a different world today, a world that's markedly different from when Colonial began construction back in 1962. Can you explain that, please? Boy, Jane, there are so many things that are different. It's really a global economy today. And that's not unique to pipelines. I recall the Tom Friedman book that the world is flat, and it's just a testimony to so many changes and differences due to electronic age and changing of markets. And really, from the workforce standpoint, people move and change jobs a lot more than ever before. We don't stay with one company for our entire working career, not too many of us anymore. And it seems that people more and more are taking on jobs that are quite different than maybe their parents' line of work was. Lots of changes. Well, does that mean it's been harder for the energy industry to attract both skilled and non-skilled workers today? Oh, it's contributed to making it, I think, much more difficult. But one reason is the demand for more energy and more energy infrastructure is very high. 
there's especially high demand girls, as we've all now recognized in China and India. And hence, this makes the requirements for more energy projects higher and higher, and with it, the demands for more and more workforce to carry out those projects. And frankly, our industry went through a pretty long period in the 80s of, of layoffs, and that didn't help our image too much either. It kind of conveyed an image of, a, of an organization, of an industry, of a sector that maybe wasn't as stable a place to work for. Well, then what is the industry doing today to attract new workers, and what is Colonial doing specifically? Well, one thing the industry's taken on is, is obviously an accelerated recruiting effort, and some of that includes more attractive pay packages, even some things like flexible working hours. But also there's been more and more collaborations, collaborations with trade schools, workforce development programs with the community colleges. Uh, more and more organizations like us here at Colonial have gotten involved in co-op students. In fact, here we just took on two brand-new co-op stu students, which I got to meet just this last week. You know, a couple of years ago, and this is a, a little anecdote that kind of reminds me of what the energy industry apparently is facing today, uh, NASA reported that its workforce was aging rapidly and that it was having difficulty finding new scientists and engineers to replace the workers that were approaching retirement age. Is the energy industry facing a similar situation? Yes, yes it is. You know, the average age of a U.S. worker today is 39 years old. At Colonial, uh, the average age is 44, and it's actually a bit higher in the overall energy industry. That comment I made to you earlier about a reduction in the 80s, as we look back in our energy industry, particularly in oil and gas, there was a long period of very little hiring. And in fact, our industry lost about a half a million jobs. So all in all, it's been, um, it's been a pretty similar situation, I think, than what you've seen and reported to in the Nassau circumstance. Well, let's get down to kind of the brass tacks here, if we will, about the kinds of jobs that are available out there and maybe areas of the country where Colonial and the pipeline industry are looking for workers. Where are these opportunities located today? Well, the needs, geographically speaking, are in the locations uh, like the refining center in the U.S. Gulf Coast, uh, like the oil and gas production locations, uh, say, oil sands up in western Canada. Uh, so, I think overall, we have uh, uh, a circumstance of a number of different locations around the country generally looking to those places where the oil and gas uh, production, refining, transportation centers are operating. And those really are where the needs are, are located today, and those were uh, really attracting the workers. Are these college-educated workers that we're looking for, uh, scientists, engineers, or are they also... Uh, the jobs that traditionally are held by the folks that are called roughnecks and roustabouts that work on the drilling rig floor. It's really a variety. I would say the needs today come from a wide variety of positions, uh, uh, operators, technicians, skilled tradesmen, uh, certainly engineers, and particularly those in the disciplines of mechanical, electrical, chemical, and civil. And it, it reminds me of your earlier question about the NASA engineers and the demands. We really have a situation today that's surfacing with a disproportionate number of people nearing retirement age. And we have a lot of new folks, but we don't have many in between. 
So our job and the needs of pretty soon today and certainly tomorrow are going to be getting these people ready to fill these positions and getting them experienced enough that they can take over the reins when many of the older group begin to retire. Is it possible, Mr. Sidlowski, that these workforce shortages could affect the supply of energy to consumers? Well, we certainly don't want to slow down economic growth, and we don't want to uh, put ourselves in a situation where customers are demanding energy and we don't have the ability to, to provide it. And since these energy infrastructure projects are often very large, they're often very expensive, we need to be working on them well in advance to be ready when the customers are ready. I'm sure there are some other challenges other than workforce that are being faced by the pipeline industry today. Um, every industry has its challenges, of course. And as you're working towards expanding capacity to meet the needs of consumers, what other kinds of challenges do you face? Well, it, it, that's a good question. There are a number, and no significant number of challenges in trying to move forward. We haven't built a new refinery in the U.S. for over 30 years. It's very difficult to acquire rights away for new or expanded pipelines. It's just the fact of so many folks worried about having these kinds of things, these sorts of activities in their backyard. And not too long ago, the industry conducted a survey and discovered that the American public's just not uninformed about energy, but rather misinformed. And that creates a lot of difficulty for a nation that's trying to figure out, trying to formulate a sound energy policy. Clearly, people need to understand the issues before they decide on the direction that this country should take. And therefore, one positive effort that I know our industry has taken on is an initiative to provide the facts about energy for the American public. You mentioned a sound energy policy, and of course that's critically important. Um, and I'm sure you're well aware of the fact that just before Christmas, uh, the president signed a bill calling for an increase in renewable fuels, including ethanol, a large amount of ethanol, that will be entering the marketplace in very large quantities over the next several years. Because it's so difficult to put ethanol in pipelines, how is Colonial gearing up for that? Well, we've engaged in several research efforts, and, and they're all pointed at being able to safely transport not only ethanol, but any and all of the renewable fuels that we can. Now, as in many of these efforts, there's more to be studied and more to be understood, but we're eager to do our part and help wherever we can to to make sure that alternative fuels, renewable fuels, are moved into the distribution system efficiently and safely and get to the marketplace that they need to. It's pretty apparent, I think, to all of us that we're going to need not only renewable fuels but the traditional petroleum-based fuels. We're going to need all these fuels to meet the demands of our future needs. And we're going to need researchers who can continue to look at alternative fuels and ethanol and um, that means that we've got to develop that workforce for the future and to ensure the reliable distribution of energy. In your view, what should the, the nation do to support that effort? Ah, that's the million-dollar question, Jane. And I think first it's important to acknowledge what's being done. There's a lot of progress. And, for example, it's important to credit Congress 
for the hearings that focused both government and private industry on this important issue, and the other work that's been going on in the state and local agencies to 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 make it more effective and get ourselves prepared for what we're going to face in in the coming years. But for my part, I think the pipeline industry should do three things: silver mining, train up, and partnerships. I mean, by silver mining, I mean holding on to our experienced employees, making it attractive for them to put off early retirement and stay on the job, and enlisting retirees to do training and transfer their knowledge. The second one of those, the train-up, you know, many jobs that we rely on to do our pipelines and operate them safely and reliably just can't be learned instantly or overnight. We need our experienced employees to help the younger employees and through their apprenticeship. So they'll be ready, really ready, when their day comes to take over. And lastly, the item on partnerships, industry, government, and educators really need to do a better job, we all do, of highlighting the technical trades as a career option. The pays there, the opportunities there, many of the jobs are as high-tech as anything in the more glamorous dot-com world. But all too often, young men and young women think the only way to get successful is to go to college or to get an advanced degree. And, you know, the skilled trades offer great opportunities to play a rewarding, respected, and lifelong role in an industry that our nation definitely depends on. Excellent points. And thank you so much for joining us today to talk about workforce. You're very welcome, Jane. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.